Readers of Circles of Faith, this is Slices of Life, where friends grow faith, enhance life, and build community together. I'm Kimberly Amici, and I'm joined today by Elise Daly Parker and Kimberly Coyle. Two weeks ago, we talked about some of life's transitions that we've experienced, how we've navigated them, and what we've learned. After that conversation, we realized there were two things that made every transition easier, community and self-awareness. Today, we thought we'd talk about self-awareness, what it means, and some simple ways we can discover a little bit more about ourselves. Before we get started, let's do what we do every week and ask an in-your-words question. The question I want to ask you guys is, when life gets crazy, what is the one thing you can't do without? Elise, you want to start us off? Okay. Um, since I am in the middle of life being very crazy, um, in the middle of our move, I would say um, it's a little combo deal. I can't do without God and my husband um, because together um, we, are, we get more intentional about prayer to be honest. And if I don't do that, I feel like I'm on such shaky ground. So, um, I turn to God and I turn to my husband and we kind of, the three of us keep some sanity in the midst of, um, crazy stuff. Yep. That's good. That's really good, Elise. I would, um, definitely have guessed that you would pick people. That's a really good, uh, <laughs> that's very you to choose a person as something you can't do without. Yeah. Um, I myself um, have a less spiritual answer. Yes, God, of course. Um, <laughs> but I can't do without books and writing. Mm. So those are the two things I absolutely have to have, or I, I really feel like I am not tethered at all. Like they keep me grounded, um, definitely keep me in my right mind. Um, I could say we could add in, you know, scripture as reading material, perhaps, if I want to be really spiritual about it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so those are my two things. How about you, Kimberly? I think the thing I can't do without is actually time alone, which is surprising because I've mentioned before that I'm an extrovert. I would say that predominantly I like to be around people, and that's helpful, but there is every once in a while when I need to just pull away and just think things through. Like, I need I need my calendar, and I need to look at the calendar, and I need to know that it's going to be okay next week. So kind of, I guess it would be a combination of like pulling back and examining the logistics and putting myself at ease, knowing that everything's going to be okay, that my schedule will work out, that it can be handled, you know, kind of a little bit of a self, a sense of self-control every once in a while, uh, yeah. which kind of goes against the definition of when life gets crazy, but taking a breather. And, and well, looking at it. But I think, I think in, in every case, we're talking about stepping out of that craziness. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's yeah. the key. It's just like, okay, for me, I need a person who can kind of say, can reassure me, and also God's word and the, his truth and all that kind of stuff. But it's mm-hmm. still stepping out of what yeah, I'm in the absolutely. middle of, you know? So yeah, yeah. sounds like that sure. in whatever way. Yeah, and I guess the differences for us is how we step out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Elise, it's you with your husband and God. Kimberly, it's books and writing, and me would just be um, my calendar, <laughs> my list, <laughs> and my notebook, and my my yeah. structure. Get, right. Get back to structure. Yeah. But again, being alone for a little bit, stepping away from all the noise and the frenzy. I think. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
So the three of us, being aware of how important self-awareness is, have put our heads together and we've identified six different ways that we can become aware of how we were created, which helps us understand how we work and relate to others. One of the first things that we've come to understand is that it's important to know what is your best time of day to work. This is something that I, gosh, maybe three or four years ago heard about kind of was like one of those aha moments where I was like, why well, hadn't I really heard about this before? And I was able to identify that I work best in the morning. So trying to do creative work in the evening never works. So when my kids were super little and I barely had enough time to do the things that I wanted to do, I would think if I could just stay up late, then I could write. If I could just stay up late, then I could practice my art. If I could just... You know, because the daytime hours were consumed with having my kids around. And then it occurred to me once I realized that there is a best time of day for me to work, that's not going to happen. And I was able to let go of the fact that nighttime is not going to be my most creative time and it's not going to be my best work. And so that's helped me make decisions go forward and not be so hard on myself about what I was getting done. What about you guys? What's your best time of day to work? Yeah, I would say morning for me as well. I had the exact same experience. Like I just had this incredible frustration when my kids were little um, because I didn't have time to do anything during the day other than really focus on their needs. And, um, you know, if you have bad sleepers, you're not sleeping well at night. So getting up early is really not an option. Like Mm -hmm. you need to take, at least for me, I needed to take as much sleep as I could get in the morning because I had kids. I had one child in particular who, um, like to see the night hours. So unfortunately it didn't leave any time. And by evening, I, I've got nothing left. I've got nothing left in the tank and I'm done. Like literally by 3 PM, I'm like ready for a nap. I, you know, my brain is not functioning. I'm just purely on, um, just on survival mode. So knowing that has been really helpful. And like you said, just being able to kind of like during that season of life, just release it a little bit and say, Mm. you know, this really isn't my time to try and um, get stuff done. I frankly need to sleep so that I'm a good mom or, you know, a good wife and friend, what have you. So, um, yeah, I've been incredibly envious of people who can, you know, sustain some sort of energy after 3 p.m. or 8 p.m. But that's just not, not the case for me. And having to just accept that limitation about myself has been freeing. Mm hmm. As so many, um, so many, so often when we accept ourselves as we are, it is freeing. <laughs> um, I am, I am now more than ever a morning person, but that's been, you know, in the past seriously six months. I've literally been trying to work on becoming. It's funny becoming a morning person for um, thirty years, and I'm not even joking. Um, so I was absolutely a night owl um, up until a few years ago. Um, I don't. So I'm not quite answering the question right because I'm not sure. Now that I am going to bed earlier and getting up earlier, I feel more productive in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure I was more productive at night, but I was willing. I was willing to push myself. I was willing to uh, work on the things that hadn't gotten done during the day. Um, and I was, I guess, willing to be exhausted more often than not. <laughs> So. <laughs> well, as it pertains to life transitions, do you think this has helped you navigate any of them? Like, for example, Elise, yes. you're moving. Do you get a lot more packing done in the morning or in the no. evening? No. <laughs> no, in the evening. Okay. So, so the way I approach my life now 
is I get up really early as we, we've talked about this at another time, but anyway, I get up really early for me, five fifty or six o'clock. I snooze for 10 minutes. I get to my exercise class between seven and seven forty-five. Uh, do some Devo stuff going go there and do some Devo stuff. And then I start my work day. Um, whatever that may entail, editing and coaching and things like that early, early in the day. My packing is something that, though I'm obsessed with it and thinking about it all the time, <laughs> um, I, I can do it without thinking too much. So I, I do actually put that off to later in the day. Oh, perfect. Yeah. 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 So I, I think that's I the key, them. like doing those mindless tasks mm-hmm. when you don't have the mental energy for things. So yes. I, in the evening, I fold laundry or, you know, I do things that just require no energy. Basically, uh, well, right now, basically, I just drive people where they want to go. <laughs> which is exhausting, but, you know, doesn't require too much brain energy. Yeah, right. and then those are perfect examples of why it's important to have an idea of what is best to be done at certain times of day. I have a, I'm better at answering emails later in the evening when I have maybe the television on or the kids are running around as opposed to I would never want to use my quiet time when there's nobody here, the kids are at school, the kids are at camp, and I have an hour of peace and quiet would I ever answer my emails? Like, why would I do that? <laughs> right. Yeah. I want to be smart. doing the work that needs my focus, that needs my creativity and attention. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So true. So true. All right. So one of my favorite podcasts is Happier from Gretchen Rubin. And she talks a lot about um, being an abstainer or a moderator. And what that is, is kind of what it sounds like. Uh, I'll give you a perfect example. My husband is a moderator. His favorite cookie is Oreos. And so his idea of enjoying Oreo cookies is having a package in the house at all times. And when he comes home from work after dinner, he'll have two cookies and a little glass of milk. And he can do I don't understand this. I, <laughs> I, I do not understand this. Two cookies Super every human. night rather than <laughs> like, you know, binge <laughs> and have the, an ice cream sundae. Earlier in our marriage, he was like, no, you only need two just to give you a little bit of taste, just to, just <laughs> to give you what you need, and then you move on. And then, you you know, and so where I would rather not have, like, like put the kibosh on it all and be like, I don't even want that in the house. No, please, I'm not taking cake home from your party because if it sits on my counter, I will eat it all the time, every day, and I don't want to do that. So I'd rather have it not in my house than to moderate to choose when and how much and because I think my perception is skewed right so I think I eat healthy but I had like wings three times last week and I think like (laughs) the celery and the carrots well that was vegetables but for me (laughs) with a side of wings (laughs) for me it's a slippery slope and so there are certain areas of my life where I have very strict boundaries on when I will or I won't do something because I know myself Mm-hmm. And so I want to hear about you guys. Are you an abstainer or a moderator? Uh, I'm an abstainer like you. Like that whole two cookie thing makes absolutely no sense to me. Like, <laughs> I need more than just a taste, man. Once I get the taste, I yeah. can't stop. Right. Yeah. So um, yeah, for for things like you know food related, I would say the same thing. I'm constantly telling my mother-in-law, please don't send me home with that because mm-hmm. I will eat it. If mm-hmm. you you know if you send the cake home, I will eat the cake. Yeah. So um, yeah, but it also works in a kind of opposite way for me too. Like I need to have something available all the time if I'm going to use it. So say I, I'm a runner, so I have to have 
in my mind, have to, um, I need to have a treadmill in my house because I will be put off by bad weather. I will be put off by heat. I will be put off by rain, by extreme cold. You know, like I could give myself a million reasons why I can't run outside. So if I have the treadmill mocking me from the basement every day, I know that I need to go down there and take care of it. So I don't know if that's so much an abstainer, but I think those two things go hand in hand. Like either you have to have something really present and available to you all the time, or you have to not have it available and present to you all the time. Well, the so, idea is that you're setting yourself up for success, right? If you know yeah, that, exactly. that having that in the basement will ensure that it gets used or that you'll get the mm-hmm. exercise you need, then that's what you need to do to have it. So yeah, yeah. So, like the abstainer yeah. knows that they need to have this item or this particular thing out of sight, out of mind in order to maintain right. their goal or maintain their convictions. What about you, Elise? Well, um, I would say, especially because of the journey that I'm on right now with this Max Fit program, I am an abstainer. That would be a good example, Um, meaning I need a very specific program. What has been very successful is a very specific program of diet, exercise, and even some coaching. So I would say that's uh, generally, I mean, using that weight and eating as a great example um, yeah, I wish I was like your husband, Kimberly, but, um, <laughs> obviously I'm not, or I wouldn't have a weight problem. And I do, <laughs> I have a weight problem that I'm solving, but, um, yeah. So that, that's, if that's a good measurement, then I would say absolutely an abstainer. And I'd probably say that's true of a lot of things, including like, I think about work and, and time, you know, when I designate time and I'm really better about keeping my calendar Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do, I, I follow the rules that I've set for myself. So that seems to be the same idea. I don't, I don't easily keep my schedule if it's fluid, really. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good point. That's a really good point. I think boundaries are really helpful, especially for abstainers. Like, yeah. you know, there's a line yeah. that you cross and it's like, you can't weaving back and forth across that line is not possible for yeah. people like us. So. Well, I feel really comfortable when there's a set of rules. And so mm-hmm. we're in our summer season. And so my daughter thinks that means we get ice cream every day. I know we keep going back to food. Wait, um, what? We don't get ice cream every day? <laughs> but with me, I, do. I, so, I know, right? I said she has too. I so desperately want some rules in place. Like, I, and whereas it's funny because my husband in this area is like, yeah, no big deal. She can have ice cream. Like, it's his kind of thing is you can have one scoop of ice cream every night. But I feel like I want to know when she can have it and when she can't, she can't because I need to figure out how to make decisions. When we went through our renovation, we didn't have a kitchen. We lived in our basement for seven months. I didn't allow myself where I kind of made a rule. We're not eating takeout every night. We're not eating out at restaurants. Number one, that's no good for our budget. Number two, we don't really need to do that. I found creative ways to cook dinner, which was actually kind of fun, and, and I just were able to simplify meals, right? So I, for me, it worked to just eat at home. But I had to say, okay, we're not going to eat out more than once a week because it's a slippery slope, right? So at the end, at the very, very end of the renovation, when we started to get our stove back, it was so funny. We really started eating out a lot. <laughs> and But it was kind of like, oh, well, you know what? Lunch, you know we went out for lunch, but we can go out for dinner tonight. We just won't go out for dinner tomorrow. And then tomorrow rolls around and it's like, oh, well, let's go out to dinner because then we don't have to do any dishes. And then it just seemed like one thing after another, there's one reason after another. So when I can set boundaries and say, 
okay, once a week we'll go out. Or once, once a week we'll have taken, once a week we'll go out. Then I feel comfortable. I feel like I can make better choices. And then I also feel like I have a reason to say no to my kids because my kids will notoriously find ways to talk me into doing things. They'll come up with like really yes. good reasons. And it's easy to be like, oh, well, I guess you're, you're right. I guess, I guess we can. So again, like a part of being an abstainer is having like a grid. Like I want a rubrics. Like when can you yeah. have ice cream? Are these things, are these conditions met? Are we in a special place? Have you already had any? Like I want to know. So That's funny. Um, Gretchen Rubin also, also talks about um, whether you're a marathoner or a sprinter. And this has more to do with how you do your work. So a marathoner is someone who doesn't really love the pressure of a deadline and will work and get a project done gradually and probably be super prepared. A sprinter, which I can completely identify with, is somebody who works best under pressure, who thrives in an environment where they kind of, the deadline is looming and they have to pull it together. So I want to hear what you guys think you are. I'm absolutely a sprinter. Um, My whole, all my working life, which has had to do mostly with editing and writing, um, I have worked with deadlines and that makes me very comfortable. I need to know, um, when something is due and I will definitely not. <laughs> Again, the goal is always to like work over time and not have the pressure. But in the end, when I know our, our magazine is closing, for example, for the month, you know, that's when I tend to do more work for the magazine I work for. It's just, um, time that pressure puts me in a time zone that forces me to get something done so marathoner sounds nice but i'm not one it does it does in fact i was reading that uh an article that you sent us kimberly by gretchen rubin about this and at the very bottom she puts a little caveat about procrastinators oh yes um and so i'm i was reading along and i'm like well i think i'm a sprinter but I don't know. I mean, I sure do like to put things off and I don't feel good about it. Like I don't feel good at all. I feel stressed out when I, about it. And then Mm. she said procrastinator and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's me. And, um, she wrote about procrastinators wishing that they could be marathoners, Mm -hmm. but probably just need to accept that they're sprinters and you know, like this is how we work best. So Mm -hmm. it was a little bit of a light bulb moment for me because I was like, yeah, I'm so, you know, I, I've known I'm a procrastinator, but actually just maybe embracing the fact that I like to wait until the last minute and deadlines are so healthy and so good for me that, um, you know, I need to actually engage more with deadlines and maybe make some goals and deadlines for myself mm, mm-hmm. that sounds so that good. I can follow through better on things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've, at least we've talked about this over time <clears throat> when we were working with circles of faith, when we were producing blog posts and, mm. There's the tyranny of the urgent, and then there's the deadline driven. And I do think that there's a difference between the two. Are you oh, yeah. doing what has to be done because you have put things off, or are you do you just work up better under pressure? Like I think that there's a there's a difference between the two. Hmm. There is a difference. Yeah, I I think there is too. But it, it's finding which one is healthier, right. which I think is the the second that you said. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's what I would definitely say. And you know, what's yeah. funny is I'm, as I'm, as we're talking, I'm thinking that I really didn't look at the relationship between the marathon and the sprinter and the abstainer and the moderator, but we tend to all be sprinters and we all tend to be abstainers. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if most moderators are marathoners. Yeah. 
Because I, I have the to say, slow and steady, they, they, they yeah. know how to do that. Yeah, and I, I agree. I just, just based on the people that I know, and I don't know if this is just because, you know, we tend to attract people like ourselves to ourselves, but um, I, I have to say, I think I know a lot more abstainer sprinters than um, moderator marathoners. Mm-hmm. I just do. More, I know many more people, more of the people that I know are going to be um, needing those really tight boundaries when they want to make something happen, like the abstainer. Mm-hmm. And they also, um, you know, kind of maybe marinate the ideas and coast along the way. But when, when push comes to shove, they've got that deadline and they, and they get the thing done quickly at the end. I don't know. Just, I'd love to know what the numbers are. Are there, are there, um, percentages of these different groups? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure she did study. She's very good with having statistics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gretchen Rubin. Yeah. Gretchen Rubin. Yeah. She's got know. a lot of statistics. And so I think she probably has something out there, but I would agree with you, Elise. I think most of the people I know are the same way, but yeah. again, it might just be because we attract, right. You know, like attracts like. Yeah. Yeah. We probably right. do gravitate towards people that work like us. Um, from a standpoint of project continuity and working well together, it just yeah. seems like the obvious choice. But also having an understanding of other people and how they work also helps us work better in teams. As mm-hmm. long as there's an understanding that this is the way I work, this is the way you work, if we both bring these strengths to the table, how can we work together? I think that's just as important, understanding the people that we live with and work mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. to know what they are so that we don't have an expectation that they're going to be like us. Yeah. 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 I think that's where personality tests come in really handy because, um, I've always used them for my, well, historically I've used them just to discover more about myself. But when I begin to realize like, Oh, I I really need to see how I, you know, the people who are closest to me, what, what are their personality types and how do we mesh together? And what does that mean? And what kind of relationship does that equal? you know, mm. when you put these certain types together. And that's been invaluable for me, certainly. I mean, the self-awareness piece is critical. I mean, you just you just need to know yourself, especially right. if you're, you know, as we were talking before about transitions and change, like you need to know yourself. You need to know what to expect. Yeah. But when you throw in all, you know, the extra pieces of the puzzle pieces of the people who are closest to you, you know, that, that, changes the dynamics of things and knowing how you're going to react to someone and how they might react to you in certain situations is super, super helpful. Really true. So speaking of personality types, are you guys an introvert or an extrovert? So Kimberly, you want to explain the difference? Um, sure. As you know it's it. Pretty, as, <laughs> as I know it, introverts are awesome <laughs> and extroverts are exhausting. No, that's, that's a joke. That was a joke. I love extroverts. They're my favorite people. Um, yeah, I think it really, for me, the best, just, um, not the best, the best definition would be, um, it, where you gather your energy from. So an introvert gathers their energy from alone time by time to think, time to dwell, time to kind of live in your, um, in your head a little bit. You, you know, you don't, you lose energy by spending time in crowds and with people. And it's the exact opposite for the extrovert. Extroverts gain energy from being with other people and that makes them feel alive and, um, you know, being alone kind of drains their energy. So, uh, that definition is really helpful, I think. And it, it really boils it down to its essence. Yeah. So you're an introvert. I am 
excessive on, I'm like on the <laughs> furthest end of introvert. I love alone time. Um, and I feel drained very quickly by being in groups of people. Um, but I do, I mean, it's funny cause a lot of people interpret that, um, in, interpret introversion as a negative quality. And that is very common, at least in my, in my circle. Um, they, think it's negative. They think that it means that you don't like people, mm-hmm. um, which is not the case. I love people. I love, mm-hmm. um, having deep friendships and it's just that my circle is probably smaller than your average extrovert, you know, and I need more time to, um, to myself in proportion to the time I spend with people. So, um, <laughs> I remember my daughter, my daughter who is an extrovert, um, she said to me once when she was little, she said, mom, I just, I was telling her how I love time alone and I don't feel lonely. Like loneliness is not a, a common feeling I have. I just, I don't really understand it. I'm like, oh, I, I enjoy time alone. It's great. I like myself. Um, but she, she said, you mean you don't, you don't always want to be with people. And I'm like, no, I, I don't. I just, you know, I like my time. And she said, Oh gosh, that just makes me so sad. She couldn't understand that that was actually the way that I'm wired, you know? Like she just thought that was the saddest thing she could think of, you know, just being alone. Oh my gosh, how horrible. Um, but for me, it's, it's really life giving. So Yeah. yeah. Talk to me, extroverts. Talk to me about yourselves. Well, it's interesting that you use the term that, that you talk about loneliness because I definitely, I can, I can go there kind of easily. Um, I can feel lonely easily. And I definitely, I remember early on in my marriage, my husband is, I don't know what he's exactly on the, um, on the extrovert and introvert spectrum, but he is definitely both. Um, and so he, he needed a lot of time to read and to think. Um, and that made me feel apart from him. And, even today, recently, going through the move, there's a lot of work that you have to do on your own when you're moving. It's you, you have to make decisions about what you're keeping, what you're, you know, things like that. Um, and I feel lonely through this process. I kind of wish, to be honest, people would reach out to me a little bit and say, hey, how are you doing? I have had, by the same token, I've had a couple of friends say, hey, can I come over and help you? And I don't know where, how they could help me. I almost feel like if they came over it's not going to make the process go any more quickly. It's probably going to slow the process down. But again, I just, I feel lonely because I'm alone in this process. And so alone doesn't mean lonely to you, Kimberly, but it does mean, it does make me feel lonely a lot. Um, Having said that, I I am definitely an extrovert. Um, I definitely gather my, you know, I, I think I was, as you were talking, describing this, I think about how I feel when I come home from a gathering. I feel so energized and so excited Mm -hmm. and I want to do more. And I would imagine (laughs) an introvert kind of feels like, oh, that was great. And now I like need some chill time. Yeah, Uh, exactly. Give a a, a habit in my family. If we go to a party, (laughs) it's really funny. If we go to a party or a wedding or, you know, a big event, I mean, uh, my family of origin, you absolutely get on the phone the next day to go over the details or even gather again. I mean, for example, <laughs> that I is great. We all gather the day after Christmas, having just been together <laughs> at Christmas time. And I talk like, about how it went. Yeah. 
And not, not really, so but just to make more of the magic happen. And I yeah. think that right. my husband has literally said to me, well, we, we just saw them two days ago. Yeah, your That's husband's deep. probably more an introvert, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. he's like, he does not get this group mentality thing. No, And no. feels um, bombarded by it. And it's just giving me perspective to hear even what you've yes. said about it, Kimberly. It's, it's good to, to understand why that would feel, feel so, like it's too much for him. And for us, it's like, just keep giving us more. We just want more. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I'm married to an extreme extrovert. Like, we're both on the extremes of the scale. Yeah. So um, his idea of a good time is to have people around constantly. Like, yes. he just loves having people around and that is the exact opposite of my idea of a good time. So, um, you know, so we, we've had a fair bit of tension over the years trying to balance that. And, you know, we're 20 years into marriage and we finally, I think, have a really good balance because I understand his need for it and he understands my need for silence and for quiet and time alone. Yeah. So yeah. we, um, you know, we don't have like, we don't have a very specific, you know, this week where we can have two two parties or, you know, whatever. We don't have anything very specific, but we kind of, you know, I can, I just, if I, if I give him that look, he knows like, oh, she's having a people hangover. We need to just dial it back yeah. a little bit, you know, yeah, or if I, I find he's just expression. really, yeah, people hangover. I yeah, get him. That's good. For sure. As, as I listen to that, I think, you know, Chris and I have been married for, it'll be 32 years in November. And I'm just thinking, is there any way to get to this stuff without going through it? You know, it's like, it takes so long to understand one another and to give people enough space to be themselves and to get that look and understand what that means without it being a big issue. I mean, this thing, extrovert, introvert was a big issue in my marriage for many, many, many years. So I don't know. I, um, I have a really good resource for the introverts who are listening. Um, actually I think it's a great resource for extroverts as well. Um, because it helps, kind of get inside the head of an introvert. And um, it's a book called Quiet by Susan Cain. She did a wonderful TED Talk on it as well. You could look that up. But um, yeah, it just that. explains um, this, what the strengths are of an introvert because our society is really set up for the extrovert. I mean, it's really the way we celebrate extroversion. We celebrate people who are people, people, you know, and, and kind of collaborative group work, you know, group work is becoming much more of a big thing in the school systems. And, you know, like my son, who's an introvert, doesn't enjoy group work. He doesn't mm-hmm. learn best that way. And that's mm-hmm. very hard for him. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it's, it's a really great book that kind of opens your eyes to like the hidden strengths of an introvert in a, in an extrovert world. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's yeah. a good, yeah, good option for people. My book list for a while. Yeah. yeah. If you have any, if you have children who are introverts, it's really helpful. Well, we've mentioned Myers-Briggs, so just to give you guys a definition of it, it is um, a system of personality typing. So the idea is that you take a quiz and you discover who you are and why you do the things you do, or in other words, how you're wired, or how you perceive people in the world and make decisions in your life. And there is a bunch of places online that you'll be able to take this quiz, A simplified version would just be to go through um, some of the letters. So, for example, it's a four-letter, I guess you would say, scoring system. So for each of the four, you're either one of two letters. So the first one is E or I, which is extrovert or introvert. 
And then the next one is sensing or intuition, which is an S and an N. And then the next one is thinking or feeling. So that's T and F. And the last one is judging or perceiving, which is J and P. And at the end of taking this quiz or looking at these simplified questions, you can kind of get a sense of which one you are in each of these four categories. And then your type would be the combination of those four letters. Kimberly Coyle, you said that you know exactly what you are and you know exactly what you're not. Yes, yes. Um, so when I, t- <laughs> when I took the test in my 20s, I got um, pretty much the opposite of everything that I actually am. So whatever that was, yes something P, I don't know. Um, but I, I'm actually an INFJ. Um, and it has been so freeing to be able to pick those things out and say, Oh gosh, this is how I look at the world. This is how I see things. I see them through the eyes of an introvert who's a feeler, who's judge, you know, uses judgment to make decisions. Um, and it, it's just been eye opening and freeing and so helpful for me to identify who I am, but also to see how um, I interact with others. I, I, I'm always sending text messages. Like I remember my own type, but I tend to forget what other people are. So I'm texting my sister. Remind me again what your Myers Briggs is. You know, when I see these little things come up on Buzzfeed, because I want to, I want to know how what what her thought process was as a child. You know, it, I'm always just trying to figure that out and think, oh, this is why she and I acted this way or this, you know, particularly with my husband, I find it very helpful. Um, not so much with my kids yet. It's, it's funny cause they're not, you know, with children because they're still developing and yeah. still growing into themselves, it's very hard to kind of type them. So yeah. I'm always trying to tag them with something, but usually, you know, I yeah, tend I to be it's off. It's not very accurate. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so much of them as a child, it's kind of mirroring yourself or your spouse, you know, they're mirroring you right. and they really need to grow into mm, who they are. Yeah. Yeah. Living up to expectations, right? So, yeah. you know, if you're going back to the introvert, extrovert, if you're in a house of extroverts, you may feel that you need to be an extrovert and it yeah. may take you a long time to realize, yeah, I like to have a party, but not my thing to like keep the party going. Um, okay. So I am a ENFP, which is extrovert, um, intuition, uh, feeling and, uh, perceiving. <laughs> so for me, it's all about feeling according to the, um, information that we're providing on, on the, um, Myers-Briggs in our show notes. Um, this has, this comes from kindred, kindred grace. And so I am a, um, champion advocate and motivator. And I, I think that's pretty true of me. Um, I definitely, again, I've got that extrovert component, no question about that. And I do, I do tend to sort of feel and sense my way through the world. You know, I rely on uh, intuition, I guess, my, my gut um, to, to navigate the world. So yeah, I think it's, it's pretty accurate. Um, I think it's kind of fun. And as I'm thinking, my children are all grown now, and I'm thinking it would be really fun for us to all do, do a Myers family Briggs. night, yeah. do a Myers-Briggs oh, that so night. Yeah. That is so fun. I think that I would be it. really fun. Um, yeah. And so, you know, if I could ever get them in one place, which is very difficult, and, and it not be Christmas time, yeah. <laughs> when yeah. people don't want to do the Briars, Myers-Briggs, um, <laughs> I, would, I would just really love to do that and have a conversation about it. Because I think... A what, party. 
Yeah, maybe a Skype party. Because I think what we're talking about is, is you know, understanding one another. And again, it's, it's great for me to know who I am, but I want to know who other people are too. That's part of my extroversion thing. Yeah, but it's not just are. an extroversion thing because clearly, Kimberly, you're an introvert, but you're very interested in what other people are about and all that stuff. So Yeah, absolutely. Well, it just, it just helps give me some, um, I just kind of see it as like points of, of light, you yeah. know, like oh, yeah. this is how you shine through. Like I, I can pinpoint who you are and how you're going to operate and what I ex- can expect of you, you yeah. know? Yeah. I love that. I think it's really it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really, I think I could talk, I, I don't have a lot of knowledge about Myers-Briggs, but what I do know, I love to talk about. I love to ask my friends what they are. And most of them are like, huh? What? Like, no, 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 you have to understand this because it helps you figure out what kind of parent you are and why you're cl- yes. why you're even clashing yes. with your child. Yeah, you know, some absolutely. of the struggles that my friends have expressed with their kids, I'm like, well, are they an introvert or are they an extrovert? Like, I think you can start to figure that out now. But if yeah. you're the opposite, you might have a hard time relating to your child or your husband or or the people in your life. And so, <clears throat> I love asking those questions and I love um, exploring that. Yeah. And I think what, what excites me the most about this personality test is that when I sit down and I do my husband's, except for the extrovert, he is the opposite of me on those last three letters. And it's like, oh, mm. I see yeah, it's now. We, mm. we just approach things differently. And, of course, um, the hardest part is embracing the other person for who they are and not yes. feeling that they need to be like you. But right. Um, mm-hmm. right. I, am an, I am an ENFJ. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm the same as Kimberly, except for I'm an extrovert. Yeah. And I am almost the same as Elise, but we have a different last letter. So that, mm-hmm. that P and that J are different. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But also, you know, like that's what probably makes us work well together. Right. Yeah. To have some differences so. and some, yeah. Because we complement mm-hmm. each other in certain ways. And I think that's helpful to any relationship. And, yeah. you know, Absolutely. going back, especially in times of transition with our spouses or coworkers or whoever we're in close proximity to. Yeah. That's tremendous in understanding how they deal with the pressure of the transition. We've given you all the links in the show notes so you can start looking into this, take your own test and and dig a little deeper into it and, and find out more information than we know off the top of our heads. And then Kimberly Coyle, you'll have to educate us a little bit on this one. This is the Enneagram. This is another tool and mm-hmm. it's sort of like a personality test, but slightly different, right? Correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I've done a fair bit of reading, but it's very hard for me to kind of boil it down into a really, um, accessible understanding. But, um, from my understanding, it's, it's kind of comes out of very ancient thought, sort of the, you know, desert fathers, Christian mystics sort of thing, which sounds very woo woo, which I totally (laughs) love, but a lot of people don't. Um, and it's based on, uh, nine personality types and it's kind of created around it it's actually like a diagram so it's a circle and they have all the nine types around the circle and then it shows you um you have different arrows going in different ways you have wings it sounds very complicated but really um what it does is once you discover what your type is you fit you can figure out based on that diagram um what direction you move in when you are healthy and what direction you move in when you're unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And it's been a wonderful tool for me to um, kind of figure out, like, when I start to have 
negative feelings about certain things and, um, you know, negative emotions about stuff. Like when I find myself falling into some, into certain patterns and moving in one direction, I can identify that as an unhealthy direction. And, um, that's been really helpful. But the, the way that it's, um, set up is instead of like Myers-Briggs often gives you your strengths and, um, what you're really good at. And the Enneagram is a little bit different because it actually tells you it's based on your root sin or your the the thing that you really struggle with the most um, and what all of that other mm. stuff is born out of. And that was very enlightening for me because um, I'm a type four. It just, they go by number. Um, I'm a type four and my root sin is envy. And so um, it leads me to a lot of things like comparison. It leads me to always wishing that I was in another place rather than the one that I'm really in. Um, it's very hard for me to be happy with ordinary, you know, ordinary time, ordinary mm. life. Or, you know, like I'm always wishing and hoping and dreaming about something better. What comes next? What's going to be you know, more exciting, more, make me feel more alive. And, um, and that is truly one of my biggest faults. It's, it's a sin that I struggle with. And I can, I, I can see, you know, when I'm not feeling particularly emotionally healthy, that I dig deeper into that. I compare myself more. I think more about what I wish I was doing rather than what I'm actually doing in my real everyday life. Um, and when I'm healthy, I'm much more present. I'm much more available to people around me. I am um, not looking to other people to see where I want to go. Um, I'm, you know, when I'm healthy, I'm looking at where I'm at and being content there. And contentment is a really that's that's a really tough thing for me. I really struggle with that being content where I'm at. So it. That the Enneagram has just been invaluable in my life and helping me to understand what that root cause is that's kind of sending me into a spiral um, in different ways. And, and to be able to repent of it and to let the Lord work on my heart and show me, like, you know, what I need to be moving towards is, is contentment in Him. And um, so I would say for each of those types, it's been really helpful uh, just to read through them. And um, I, have identified my husband and read, uh, I actually found, I found a book. I have two resources, actually. The, the first book that I read, um, was excellent. Just an overview and kind of helped me figure out what my type is. It's called the Enneagram, a Christian perspective written by Richard Rohr, R-O-H-R and Andreas Ebert. Um, very, very helpful. And from a Christian perspective, cause it can get a little bit woo woo. Like I said, you know, it can get a little bit out there. Um, so I like hearing it from their perspective because that's obviously my perspective. Uh, and then another one I read, uh, it's called The Enneagram in Love and Work by Helen Palmer, which um, has been also useful for me in relationships, kind of identifying my husband's type um, and how our types uh, can butt heads a bit and how we can work together. So um, I would definitely recommend those two books for sure if you're looking you know, to kind of identify that kind of stuff for yourself. Mm -hmm. And Lee Kramer, who's a blogger, she talks a lot about the Enneagram and she's mm -hmm. got um, some wonderful information on her site about it. And we will 
put that post in the show notes as well. Yeah, actually, Lee is is where I heard it from. I mm-hmm. saw um, some information on her blog about it, and she's done a number of podcasts as well. I think if you search her website, you can probably find some yeah, um, some podcasts. Yeah, she's excellent. She's really yeah. well versed. Mm-hmm. Really well versed. I mean, I am not at all. I could tell you about myself, but you know, that's about it. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's been such a great tool. I'm so grateful for it. And I just love that it kind of, um, it, it has that Christian perspective to it. I mean, it can, it depends on how you're interpreting it, but specifically through that book by Richard Rohr, um, you know, it kind of helps you identify, you know, in your relationship with God and, you know, what those, um, what those tensions can be. Sounds fascinating, actually. Yeah, it's good stuff. This is something that you can specifically see when you've kind of lost your way very easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's more of an indicator. So when you're stressed out, when you have too much in your plate, when things aren't going the way they usually go, you're out of your routine, and you see yourself start to have these tendencies going yes. in the direction of your... Your arrows will be pointing. Yes. It points to a different type. Yes. So you can, you know, when a four is unhealthy, they point towards... I, I forget off the top yes. of my head. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. You know, let's let's just say it's a two. They point towards the yeah. type of a two. And you can read what that struggle is for the two. Yes. And you can, you can identify, like, these things are starting to manifest right. themselves. Manifest in your life. And, you know, that is, gosh, it's so helpful. Cause I mean, Myers-Briggs is awesome. It's, it's great, but in the day to day, it's, you know, it's very hard to identify when you're kind of getting off track Mm -hmm. with Myers-Briggs. It's like, yeah, I'm an introvert. You know, that's, that's not going to put me on a track or off a track. It's just what I am. But with the Enneagram, it's like, oh yeah, I can Mm. definitely sense that I'm getting a little bit off track here. I need to, you know, repent. I need to get back in line with what, who God says I am mm-hmm. and get back, you know, move away from my roots in and move towards health, healthy thinking and emotions. Yeah. We've given you a lot of information here today, but don't worry if you didn't get a chance to write it down. It's all in the show notes. If you really enjoyed today's conversation, you'll be happy to know that there's a bonus episode available to our newsletter subscribers. In our extra episode, we talk about how introversion and extroversion affect marriage and parenting. Also, Elise shares some tools she uses as a life coach to help her clients with self-awareness. You can go to circlesoffaith.org to sign up. Let's keep the conversation going in our Facebook community page. There, we can talk more about personality types as well as your answer to the question, when life gets a little crazy, what is the one thing you can't do without? We'd love for you to subscribe to us in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss an episode. While you're there, rate and review the show. Your comments go a long way in helping others find us.